Hello everyone, my name is Dimitri and you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. In this show, I talk about minimalism, self-improvement, productivity, and what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. You know, I never thought that I'd enjoy getting a new microphone arm so much. Actually, I did think I'd enjoy it this much considering the whole reason I bought it was to do podcasts and stuff like that a little bit easier. What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri, and welcome to a podcast where I talk about self-development. I said the intro, you heard the intro, but man, I just gotta say, I have a new mic arm. It's pretty great. I'm recording via this microphone arm with my Audio-Technica ET2020. My last podcast was about how you can get different types of microphones, what works for it, what what works for micro podcasting? Yeah. What podcast works for now? What microphones work for your podcast? And honestly, I just, I can't get over the fact that I've never had a boom mic arm. I've wanted one for a long time. Never bothered to get one. I think it's uh, pretty safe to say this thing's going to make the audio quality a little bit better. I can tap on the table now and nothing will really happen. It's kind of extended off from the table. It's got a little bit of a shock mount. I've always had a shock mount, but anyways, at enough about audio. This is about the flinch. This is a new series I'm going to be doing on my podcast slash on my YouTube channel called, now I was going to try to find a name for book reviews, but I, um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. It doesn't really need to be a name attached to it, but I'm going to be doing book reviews on different self-development books. And that's going to be something that I'll be doing on the channel for a little bit because I want to find a way to, you know, go into these books that are in the self-development space and for myself and for others, figure out what exactly makes them good. You know, why are they popular? Why are they so good? What sort of pieces of content are in them that make them quality? And I'm going to try to start doing this new thing where I get more right into the content and less, less fluff, less, uh, Let's delay about things. Let's just jump right into it. What is the one thing that's standing between you and your dreams? Think about this on a day-to-day basis. You have a lot of things that come up and you're hesitant towards doing them. It's it's a basic day-to-day thing. Here's an example. Uh, As I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing a time lapse uh, of me recording the podcast for a vlog about how to cure social media addiction, right? Which will come out later this week. And just a basic thing that you, you do in the morning is you grab your phone, you scroll through Instagram. Why are you doing that instead of going out of bed? Why are you doing that instead of getting out of bed, starting your day, starting your work? Because this morning, uh, I got the pot of coffee going at around 5.30. I immediately rolled out of bed, refused to go on Instagram. Uh, turned the heater on in my room because it wasn't on all night. Then shaved my face. Ate some breakfast, immediately started planning my some stuff for my week and for the semester. And I didn't do something called the flinch. The flinch is what's standing between you and your dreams. It's essentially, it involves the hundreds and thousands of moments in your life where you doubt yourself and end up not taking tasks on because of risk that your mind perceives to be there, which really isn't there. Um, in 
this podcast, I'm going to talk to you guys about The Flinch by Julian Smith, which is a, is a great book. Uh, the concepts in this book really do shine through um, and, and tell you a little bit. I may be just focusing more on the concept of the flinch in general more than the book for this one, but that's because the, the topic of the flinch itself is, is so important. I will reference um, some parts of, of the book, but I mean, the flinch overall is sort of a psychological phenomenon, which I'll get to in a little bit later. But in Julian, in this book, Julian talks a lot about how the flinch is holding your life back, right? So what's the difference between a successful person and someone who isn't successful? And this may seem kind of obvious to the average person. This may seem kind of obvious in general. You know, what, what makes someone successful, generally speaking, is actually not their level of competence. It's not their level of ability to manage to get things properly in their head, or it's not like a lack of understanding for people who are unsuccessful. It's actually just a matter of people willing to do more things and take more risks. Those who are willing to embrace the flinch more inherently will most likely be more successful. Here's an example. Someone's working a nine to five job. They have a great business idea. They have a great idea about starting a side hustle, but they don't think they have the time. They make a lot of excuses, which I'll get into the psychology later, but inherently you're just making those excuses because of your psychology. And the person who decides to start the side hustle and make the side income that then can turn to a full-time business, inherently they will be more successful in their own mind because they will have taken risks, succeeded on those risks or failed on them, and at least had more of an experience than the person who just stayed in the nine to five job that most people, you know, a lot of people do like the nine to five jobs, but a fair amount of people aren't fully satisfied with the work that they do at a business that isn't theirs. Now let's dive into a little bit of why when we talk about the flinch and we dive into this book by Julian Smith, why exactly do we flinch? What is causing us to be apprehensive towards things that are scary, things that are foreign, things that are new? It boils down a lot to the base nature of what we began as as human species as a human species. If you are someone who's wondering why when I try to go take a cold shower, do I quite literally flinch? Do I kind of seize up almost and not want to go into it? Believe it or not, it's kind of your subconscious human mind from a time before civilization where there were constant things that made you fearful for your life. So, for example, in previous times you tried something new, there wasn't exactly a whole lot of new in our earlier state of civilization. And when those new things would come, they generally would come with more of a risk than what we picture now. So going and trying to find a new job, going and trying to build a new habit, going and trying to do something that's hard, psychologically treat, it, it treats us the exact same way as if we encounter would encounter a bear in the wild. And as much as that sounds like it's not how we are, it is that same fight or flight that we're experiencing because 
we haven't exactly psychologically changed a whole lot since we've become civilized human beings. And it's not any fault of our own that we're just wired to act this way because, you know, when something new were to happen, generally speaking, it was a risky thing that was happening because we kind of lived, I don't want to say like boring lives, but, you know, we had sort of the same consistent routine and everything so that we could survive because we were more about survival than you know now we're trying to thrive or i mean i'm, I'm making videos on the internet the, the the things that can be done now are inconceivable to where the state of our mind was when we came to be human beings and how we've been conditioned for a longer period of time i mean think about this conceptually for the past i don't know 60 years i want to say 70 maybe the idea it's like 20 30 years post great depression the idea of people in the united states going hungry or being without shelter besides at a at a at the lowest levels of poverty i mean you don't experience hunger as much in this country and you don't have as many people going through that. But this is kind of a recent phenomenon. You have different government programs that kind of prevent the majority of the population from being in a place that would be even close to similar as when we were hunters and gatherers, right? So we're talking about a very short period of time where food and housing has been pretty much a guarantee or are guarantees for just even people in the country I live in. And that means that we've psychologically not been at the place where we can say, okay, let's try to do something different outside of what I'm doing and not be spooked out by it like people may think that they shouldn't be. Like, why am I freaking out so much about something that seems so trivial, something that seems so small? It's because at a base level, we haven't had that much time to acclimate to the new way of life. You know, I mean, just because we in this generation didn't experience all that hunger and all that suffering and all that sort of not knowing where the next meal was going to come from, not knowing whether we were safe. I mean, we, we have safety as a species as a whole in comparison to the, to the wild, but yet I understand that kind of psychology doesn't exactly go away because your generation wasn't born with that stuff because we are a species that is still the same and hasn't really like evolved or anything. So we're going to keep going into, and I don't want to get into evolution too much, but psychologically speaking, those fight or flight responses trigger even with something as small as I want to build a new habit when I wanted to start my YouTube channel. I flinched for a while. I didn't start the channel for like two months after I was like writing my, or not writing my, yeah, writing my blog. And it was like, man, I just need to do this. I just need to do this. What am I flinching for? Because I was afraid. And it's like, okay, Dimitri, what, what are you afraid of? And I had done it before. I'm someone who has made videos in the past and I was still flinching about it. So that makes me think like for someone who is even dealt with that sort of grind of making the videos and having the online, uh, not persona, but having the online presence of people commenting on your videos and giving you feedback and maybe even negative feedback. Psychologically speaking, fight or flight, I had to push through something. I had to push through a flinch 
that even I had survived through before. Because psychologically speaking, when you're trying new endeavors, you're trying endeavors that put you out of your comfort zone, you're subconsciously kind of going back to that state of, could this kill me? And like you're going into a cold shower and believe it or not, your mind's like, that doesn't feel good. Things that don't feel good equal increased chance of not being around because we were just kind of, that's how we got through being alive. And that's how we got through getting to the point where we are now, where I can make videos on the internet and put them out whenever I feel like it. So just remember that whenever you're thinking negatively about the fact that you're flinching through something, remind yourself it's like that psychologically you are holding yourself back not personally, but just the makeup of you as a human is the, what's holding yourself back. And when you can convince yourself of that fact, you will one, treat yourself better about why you're being like this, but two, you can tell yourself basically, okay, so this isn't going to kill me. The only reason I'm being apprehensive towards this is because my body is literally telling me this will kill me or not literally kill me, but it's not going to help you get to the next stage of your life in the same way because you don't feel things that are good psychologically your body goes okay i need to flinch against this do you are you sure you want to do this not feel, no so when you can remember stuff like that you can start to learn how to push through the flinch after you understand it and understand the psychology as to why you flinch and if you're subconsciously thinking that it's going to decrease your amount of survival decrease your quality of life obviously you're going to flinch against it but if you can remember that that's just your psychology working against you. You can be like, okay, is looking for a new job actually going to kill me? No, like quite literally it's, I, I mean, no. And those people who embrace the flinch, you'll find if you read this book is, is just, their success is just so much more. The success is so much more fulfilling. And uh, for me on a personal level, I can give myself a little reference here. So I had a big flinch going into making the YouTube channel. Flinched at it for months. Now, if I didn't do it, I'd regret it. And I view myself as more of a successful person, not because of the success I found on the YouTube channel, but that I got myself to overcome a flinch of my, my own, like flinch that I had. I did a 30 day cold challenge or cold shower challenge. That was 30 days of the flinch. In this book, he references cold showers. He references how you know, it's not really about the cold shower, but it's about training yourself to be able to overcome the flinch. Because every single day when I was about to go into the cold shower, I was quite literally flinching physically, mentally, like, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm kind of afraid as to how this is going to go. I'm not excited about it. And you need to find ways in your life where you can do things like the cold shower challenge. Maybe it's not that. I rarely do recommend cold showers though, because it's a good um, it's a good thing to practice. It helps you overcome the flinch pretty pretty well. Because in my experience, making yourself overcome something as scary as cold showers is so important. It it, it will infinitely change the way that you view day-to-day -day tasks that are that could be deemed as scary and as referenced earlier with the, with the psychology putting your mind 
in a state of possible danger brings you to that flight or flight sort of situation, you know, like, oh God, there's a bear attacking me sort of situation that your mind thinks is happening. But doing the cold shower every day, you think it's gonna like hurt or something. I don't really know how to describe the mental feeling that you have. I know all of you are thinking about it as if you've taken cold showers a bunch, which maybe some of you have, but generally speaking, it's really hard for me to describe the feeling of what a cold shower means to you and what going into a cold shower means to you. But imagine that feeling of the flinch. Imagine something consistently that you flinch at and understand that it's not impossible and ways to put the flinch behind you are to tackle things like a cold shower or something that's definitely safe for you to do so then you can take bigger risks. Because as mentioned earlier in the podcast, successful people just take more risks. And for me, taking the risk of starting the YouTube channel, taking the risk of starting the podcast was, was pretty big. And my initial way that I started to embrace the flinch was I woke up early every day and by early I mean I tried to I tried to wake up at 5 a.m as, as often as I could and that you know came with a lot of failures I came with a lot of waking up at like five and then snoozing until six and then waking up but I tried I didn't embrace the flinch it was scary but I consistently did something that's scary so a recommendation I would put to everyone in here it's so simple. It's so simple. And it sounds like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, sure. This, this is like fortune cookie wisdom or whatever, but dedicate yourself to try to do something new every single day, something that you've never done before or something consistently that is difficult. So if you consistently have a problem with working out, work out five minutes a day, something very small, literally just drop and do some pushups at a random time during the day and you can check it off as, Hey, I went and I did the push-up and try to push-ups and try to do it at your first thought of it rather than pushing it off. Because if you kind of push it off throughout the day, you are kind of going against the flinch and you're not attacking it and going through it. But I will say that it's still a positive thing. If you do it in general, I'm just giving it like a further suggestion to that concept. So for me, I was always doing the cold shower right in the way in the morning. I wouldn't take like a warm shower and then later in the day, take a cold one. I would just take the cold shower after I worked out and that was it. Cause I, I generally speaking only really shower when I work out. But during the challenge, I showered for 30 straight days, which I usually don't do. I haven't showered for 30 straight days in probably years, if ever because on the days I don't work out, which is one out of every seven, um, one out of every 14 sometimes, I will not shower when I don't work out. So I did have to go through that flinch of sometimes early in the morning, having to go take a cold shower without really feeling the need to shower at all. But I just knew that if I pushed through the flinch, it was training me to get through something that was hindering success. I would say that something about this book that I did enjoy, so it's pretty blunt, you know, um, there's, a, there's a lot of points in there where Julian does a great job of uh, pointing out the, the nature of the flinch, the nature of how people who don't properly attack it aren't as successful, don't feel as successful. And overall, the, the book's pretty blunt. And I, I kind of like that. I, I really don't enjoy um, beating around the bush in regards to some concepts like for example here's a here's a big thing 
I think waking up early is infinitely better than working through the night. Uh, and I have some strong opinions on some productivity things. Like for example, I saw someone post, why is waking up early viewed as so much better than people or than uh, staying up late and working through the night? Um, there's a couple things. One, you're going against your circadian rhythm, I'd, I'd say, if you're doing it through the night. And while you could get the same amount of work done, inherently you're, you're kind of messing with your, your base level of your overall body clock. I know people have different body clocks, don't get me wrong, but there is actually a very few amount of people, in my opinion, who cannot maybe train themselves to get up early. Because um, I know people who, it's not the best for them, right? It's not the best for them. But even if it's not the best for them from like, a, okay, I can't do a lot of mental work, you could force yourself to get up and work out. Like, and training yourself to be able to get up early and even if, because it's not easy for most people, including myself, it creates more discipline than staying late through up late through the night, which inherently kind of is anti-flinch, uh, or sorry, anti-embracing the flinch, because you're just kind of like giving in to the fact that I'm going to stay up until I'm uh, done, and and you're kind of going with more of a mindset of procrastination, right? So if you get up early and you have to be, go to bed by like nine, right, you're, you're kind of training yourself into discipline. But if you're kind of the person that, that's going to bed late and then having to wake up early um, or like semi-early, say you go to bed at like two in the morning and you, oh, you work through the night and then you have to wake up at, uh, wake up at eight or something. That's just bad sleeping habits at that point, right? That's just, we, we can know from a base health level that's not good for you. So I'm, what I'm trying to get at is I really enjoy the blunt nature of the book because I am the kind of person who will just say that to people. They try to make that argument. It's like, yes, well, time is linear. And I can make the argument that if it's like, oh, well, I just stay up and work through stuff. Well, inherently due to the fact that responsibilities exist starting at 8 a.m. in the world, uh, you're just going to get bad sleep. So there's that. Like you're just inherently going to sleep worse if you're a person who stays up late and then has to get up for their job. Now due to the fact that you're somebody who gets up early versus that, you inherently have less distractions because you know you gotta get to bed by nine. So most of the time you don't waste your time after dinner uh, as much as other people. Like you're gonna watch a show or two maybe and go to bed. Like say you get done dinner at six, cleanup finishes around like 6.37, you watch a show you should be winding down for bed by 30 minutes to an hour before you go to, you're supposed to be asleep. And then you get up at five again, right? So you stay up late through the night. And anyone who talks about that and says that that's what they do, it's like, yes, there aren't as many distractions and no one's up at like two in the morning. There's actually a lot more people up at two or one in the morning that could bother you than there are people who are up at five. Yeah, there's got to be a stat on that. And the majority of people who are up that late are being unproductive, if we're being honest. They're not up for productivity reasons. And I and I get that technically time is linear and you're working maybe the same amount, but the timing is just poor and the way that you're allocating your hours could cause you to have worse sleep. So yeah, the nature of the, the bluntness of this book is great. I think breaking things down sort of in a blunt fashion like I just did 
is a, is a good way to, to go about things so that people know what works, what doesn't. And, um, weaving in little nuggets of, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't work for specific people, but probably like it, that this is how it should be for everyone. I think that's kind of the best way to tackle, tackle some of these practices in my personal opinion. And, um, I think it, it helps people overcome that sort of flinch about why they shouldn't do things or why it's like, Oh, this can't work for me. Cause this, this can't work for me. Cause this, no, I mean, that's all flinch, right? That's all psychologically being making excuses to against something that is deemed difficult in your mind and deemed like dangerous for some reason, because the psychology of humans is just funny. But anyways, eventually you will realize that doing things you haven't done before is not that bad or scary once you push through this flinch, once you find ways to put the put the flinch behind you. Uh, after I did the cold shower challenge, I mean, you'd hard press. It'd be hard for you to go through my life and find a way that you could show me that okay well you're not give you're giving into the the flinch more right you're you're letting these random throughout the day things scare you a little too much i just try new stuff i feel like now um i, I think it helped me actually a lot with cooking because i am new to cooking but now i just kind of go go with like new recipes i'm not really afraid about doing new new recipes I'm trying to think of other examples um I'm willing to make changes more in my schedule. I'm willing to ch make changes more in my life because I'm not afraid of things as much. Cause it's like you embrace cold showers for 30 straight days. You embrace it on a relatively often basis, the flinch that is, and you realize just changing things. Isn't that bad. We're creatures of habit, but once you force yourself to go through something, that's, it's not pleasant uh, for a while. You realize, you know, new things aren't scary. And uh, thinking of my life, in this fashion has helped a lot. I think of my life as a constant fight or flight response, but the truth of the matter is the thing that I'm fighting is usually not that dangerous, right? So the fight or flight response is great in the sense of, okay, you see a bear, right? You probably shouldn't run. Technically you should probably fight it. So maybe this is a bad analogy, but imagine if a bear could only run 10 miles an hour, right? All right, let's make this analogy. It sounds like a bad one to start, but it can't really run as fast as you, or it's going to run at a similar pace and you could maybe outrun it if you try and you're, uh, you're freaked out. So, so you could outrun a bear and you, you come in to contact with this thing, this, this mammal and you go, all right, well, I'm going to run because this is a big bear and it's scary. That's a good response for your body to have. Uh, let me think of an animal. I'm trying to think of an animal that would fit this. Can you get away from an alligator? I feel like you can get away from an alligator, maybe. Think of an, an animal that's scary and bad that I'm not thinking of that you can get away from. It's a great reason to have a fight or flight response. If you're going to try to learn how to cook something new, you're trying to learn how to learn a new language, whether that's software or uh, actual verbal, uh, written language. Why do you need to be afraid of it and run away from it? Like it's a bear. Like, uh, that's just our psychology working against us. Cause this is a new world, you know, like once you realize that your whole life is a fight or flight response, that's constantly happening and, and sort of micro level things. And that 
it really doesn't matter. Like it really, those little things that happen, it really doesn't matter. It's really not that bad. They're just kind of things that your mind's afraid of. Once you think about that a lot more, it's, it's going to help that, uh, sort of attacking the flinch scenario. And you should just from moving on with that point, you should just change your mindset to just do it. I mean, like the Nike slogan works perfect here. Uh, if you don't take risks, your life will never be your dream life. So here's an example. You have a really, really big goal in your mind. Uh, this could be to become somebody who lifts. Okay, let's do a workout example. And then I'll do maybe a personal finance example. Say you want to be able to bench 250 pounds. I feel like for the average person, that's kind of difficult. Um, and this could take years. Uh, probably will take years for a fair amount of people. You want to bench 250 pounds. You go to the gym. It doesn't go well. You know, you, you bench like 135 your first try. Um, and you're like, I have to double that. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know, really know what the point is. And you just flinch against the whole scenario. And then you run away in this fight or flight scenario because it's going to be difficult. You know that's going to take a long time. You know it's going to be a constant battle. It's going to be painful, which pain equals um, fight or flight response and pain equals not wanting to do things anymore to protect yourselves and sort of huddle into a ball and or curl up into a ball and just not do things anymore, right? But inherently, what you should do is you just keep attacking it day after day because if you don't do it, you're not going to reach that goal, that life goal that could be very important to you. And by the time you reach that, you are going to be happy and you're actually going to be very happy with a process, um, probably like halfway through it. Maybe the first part's going to be pretty hard and maybe the first quarter, um, but you know, the rest of it, you're going to be happy with the process once you start making gains and you kind of push through that initial flinch and thereafter see how your mindset's going to change and you're going to be so goal-oriented that you won't even feel the flinch anymore because that goal means everything to you regardless of what stands in your way another example is you could want to put away uh you max out your roth ira and save some other money i don't really know um we do roth ira was that 6k a year i think uh if you do 6k a year in your roth ira by the end of it with um you know average returns you're, you're gonna get like a million bucks by the time you retire right and if you want to maintain your lifestyle, I think I was talking to my dad about this the other day, I'm trying to remember what the exact number is, but you multiply your income by, or divide your income by 0.067 maybe. I'm trying to remember, wait, I think I got this. Let's, let's derive some math. Yeah, like 0.067 or five, I think. Basically, you want to get yourself to the point where you have your retirement um, fund at a certain point, right? Say you make 100K a year, it's spitballing here. You divide that by 0.065-ish, you need like one and a half million dollars to maintain that three-year retirement, that lifestyle after you retire past 65 or whatever the retirement date is. Um, you need to max out your Roth IRA and then find a way to get your investments for that other 500K or I don't know if you have social, it matters on how your social security is gonna go. If you'll have it later in the future, maybe not bank on it if you're my age. and very few jobs, but some jobs have pensions, et cetera, et cetera. If you go with this mindset of, ah, like you try to save some, you realize it's taking a lot out of your paycheck. You may not end up doing it if you just give up after the first few tries because you're like, okay, 
well, I kind of like spending the money on things. I kind of like giving up this sort of freedom of spending on whatever I want. It's difficult. It takes discipline to, to save. It takes discipline to not spend. It's harder probably to not spend than to spend. And you're going to be extremely happy if you decide to be disciplined about like three halfway through goes way through. You're probably be like, man, like, this is just the way I am. Like I save money. Um, I spend when I, when I can to enjoy myself, but I'm smart about it and I'm going to have a successful, um, retirement and maybe help out your kids with college, like all those sort of things like come with maybe saving more than you spend uh, a fair amount. Say, even if you're on a hundred K salary, you know, that doesn't go amazing for a lot of people because they lifestyle inflation is the thing and they end up spending so much to keep up with their lifestyle. They buy a house that's maybe a little too expensive, even though it doesn't really increase their happiness. I can go on and on about the fact that um, there was a study done that 40% of uh, American households, uh, like three to four bedroom households, like uh, 40% of the house isn't used. Like the, the dining room, most houses, think about it for yourself. Is the dining room used? For some of you, is the basement used? For some of you, is there a spare bedroom that's never used? Is there another living space that's not used, a front room? I can go on and on. Like 40% of your houses just aren't used, right? So from a base level, a lot of people could just get houses without the dining room, without the front room. Maybe maybe it's in the same uh, level of, uh, I don't want to say niceness in an area. You just get a smaller house, right? And then your taxes are less, your the cost of the, the mortgage is less, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of discipline and and whatnot will help you achieve your dream life. It's just there's an initial flinch to it all. It's going to make it difficult. It's going to make it hard for you to convince yourself to do these things because of the way our psychology works, which I have broken down in this podcast. With that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed this first breakdown of a, a book topic, a book concept. I will do um, some different books that are just a about one concept, but the flinch is kind of something that you can go semi on and on about. And I think it's a, it's a good thing to break down overall. So thank you guys for listening to the first podcast I'm recording on this book, 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 boom, mic arm. Very much enjoyed it. Very much was able to properly go through this podcast, just record the audio and do it and pump it out right quick and see the notes that I had. And uh, this is probably the most enjoyable way that I've recorded audio on a podcast. So uh, can't really complain. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for watching slash listening. And I will see you in the next one.